Today on the Topping Show, Bud Light tweets on the 4th of July and gets ratioed in minutes. Bud Light sales figures are down yet again. Ben and Jerry's 4th of July tweet says Mount Rushmore is on indigenous land and should be given back. Taylor Swift to hit the $1 billion sales mark for a tour. Subway stores make a joke in poor taste and get a little call from corporate. China to hold an exportation hold on chip materials to the United States. Subway stores get a new $6,000 slicer. Facebook may take on Twitter so sooner than we think. Toyota claims they have new EV battery technology. Regan stock jumps after the Amazon order is placed and delivered. And Honda issues a brake recall, which might just hurt the brand a little bit more. All that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder released twice today. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner, you could need a little assistance. You reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Rivian stock jumping after a Amazon order. Now, Amazon recently announced that they're going to deploy Rivian vans in Germany as they seek to exponentially increase their footprint of EV vehicles for the deliveries around the globe. Now, it looks like for this specific order, that's going to be 300 Rivian EVs. It's going to be hitting roads in Munich, Berlin, and as well as Dusseldorf. And this is also part of the larger order of 100,000 vehicles that Amazon committed to purchasing from Rivian over in 2019. And also keep in mind, Amazon owns currently about a 17% stake in the company, so they own about 17% of the shares of publicly traded Rivian. So certainly some good news to get those orders to keep coming in, as a lot of these companies are struggling just to stay afloat with 40-year hyperinflation, ever-growing competition, Tesla getting their stuff together, and time will tell to see how things play out. Other interesting automotive news in the business section, you have Toyota claiming to have an EV battery with 745 miles of range and can be charged in 10 minutes. Now, if they can successfully put that into production on a mass scale, that would be pivotal for the EV movement and adoption rate, although still not even 1% as fun as driving a vehicle with three pedals, also known as a stick shift. Which, if, if you've never enjoyed the privilege of having that exhilarating experience, I highly recommend doing everything you can to get one of those vehicles or have that experience done sooner rather than later, as the laws make it more more prohibitive to produce those types of experiences. Now, specifically on July 3rd, Toyota said that they had simplified the production and the material used to make solid state batteries and hailed the discovery as a significant leap towards the drastically cutting the charging times as well as increasing their driving range. Now, specifically, and my notes are cockeyed, so I have to awkwardly go a little bit here for a little bit, they say, quote, for both our liquid and solid state batteries, we are aiming to drastically change the situation where current batteries are too big, too heavy, too expensive. In terms of potential, we will aim to have all these factors, quote unquote, by Keiji Katali, who is the president of Toyota Research and Development for their Development Center of Carbon Neutrality. It's a fancy title, I'll give them that. And again, if they can do that, it'd be interesting. Although, <laughs> I still say the same dang things. In terms of reliability, if you want a vehicle that lasts a million miles in 20 years, buy a Toyota Corolla with an internal combustion engine with three, or rather with four cylinders, or if you're lucky, the V6. They're engineered to, for the, be the most durable product on the planet. And back in the day, they still came with a stick shift. So I think right now you might have to go Camry throughout the three pedals, which is also another yet 
infinitely more durable vehicle, the Camry with an internal combustion engine versus the EV options. And time to tell to see if they're able to fix those things. But I'm a little pessimistic since right now EVs are more like smartphones where they're designed to be thrown away. We'll see. Other interesting business news, you have Facebook about to take out Twitter with a new app. Now, Facebook is apparently on track to release an app called Threads, which is a micro-blogging app, which is a fancy way of saying a Twitter competitor where you can only tweet certain amounts of text. Now, still no official announcement has been made by the Meta Chief Product Officer, but he did admit that they are working on, quote, unquote, a response to Twitter. Now, my three cents on that whole situation, the adoption rate, you'll get leftists who have a great disdain towards Elon Musk and, have, and free speech, and they're actually looking to move away from Twitter. Iran, well, not ironically. It's because Elon allows free speech on the platform. So for them, t- Facebook threads would be perfect since Facebook is the bedrock of censorship. It's the ground up. Everything about Facebook is ridiculously censored. Even if you look at an advertisement from a, a theater company advertising a mediocre movie, I'll see, I'll go on the Facebook, I'll say, oh yeah, you know, 38 comments. And I'll look and there's, there's only three. So of course you have to do that little thing. You click the thing, the bar, so it actually filters to show all comments. And all of a sudden, it's 80 to 90% of those comments are critiquing the movie. Some more comments, a little bit more colorful than usual. But some are, are I remember one from the Indiana Jones 5 movie preview or the advertisement. It literally just had someone saying, he's too old for the role, I'm not going to see the movie. That Facebook comment was censored. So you had to click that button to say, show me this. And others, they actually have it censored out saying this is too offensive to show. And it's actually a little disappointing when you click them because it's really a lukewarm response most of the time. It's not that edgy, as some might say. But the reason Twitter's become more and more popular is because you're allowed to say pretty much whatever you damn well, well please. It's a complete antithesis, the opposite of Facebook. So... I suspect Facebook will get many users who are on the far left, but in terms of the mass adoption rates for people in the middle, people on the right, I'm a little bit skeptical. They have the incumbent base that people who currently use Facebook, but you're seeing this similar to the Facebook dating app. People thought that was going to take over the world because they have all that data, and yet Match.com is still a multi-billion dollar company in Texas. So we'll see if they're able to execute this plan, but I'm a little pessimistic on how successful they'll be in practice. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting business news, you have Subway rolling out a new feature for the stores, a $6,000 slicer for the deli meats. Now, they specify that 20,000 stores will, will receive this fancy new slicer. This is the biggest change, they've, change that they've made to the stores in about two years. And they claim that 80% of the stores with the, 80% of the stores who, or actually all the stores who buy the damn slicer, 80% of them will actually have it prominently displayed, quote unquote. So that customers can actually see it. Now, this is, it is hard not to laugh, but it sounds silly to think of this as a business strategy or methodology, but it is. It is drastically different than their long notion of just having pre-sliced meats in a little plastic baggie. And they do need to do something to turn around that brand. They, ever since they had the fiasco with Jared and the increase in prices, They've been going downhill exponentially. At one point, there were more locations that were there at a faster growth rate than the most successful fast food chain in history would be McDonald's. And they just keep going downhill more and more and more. Since, you, since 2016, they've had to close 7,000 locations in terms of Subway franchises. And not only that, they're not making that much money. 
if you look at the industry average for what their competitors are making on a per store basis for revenue, Subway stores make about $500,000 in revenue compared to the average industry rate of a million dollars per store in revenue. Keep in mind, that's revenue, not profit. That's just how much cash they're getting. They still have to pay for everything, rent, heating, cooling, electricity, internet, wages for employees, the materials of the food. So at the end of the day, how much profit are you making? Not that much. And it's even more concerning, it used to be a great opportunity for franchisees. Um, think of mom and pops, so you go to a franchise, you actually have a convention where you can look at different franchises to buy into, and a great way to make a living. And Subway has made it clear they don't want individual franchisee ownerships, they want businesses that own a handful of stores. Which also makes sense because if you're making a very little profit per store, the only way you can make a living or even hopefully expand your business footprint is to have many, many stores. So there's a couple of things working against this in terms of being an attractive brand to invest into if you're looking to buy a franchise or invest in a franchise of Subway. And it'll be interesting to see if this does help them out. It'll, it'll highlight that their ingredients are a little fresher. They know they're going to have some new sandwiches, have some fresh meats in there. And it does, certainly in terms of the visual appeal, it will look a lot more of an authentic sub shop. I know it's that's in and of itself a little bit of a contrarian statement perhaps because it is a franchise with thousands of locations. It's not your mom and pop shop. But the food will certainly be fresher if that, using that methodology. And you actually saw this similar situation where you had Starbucks with um, Mr. Schultz when he was turning around the company. Great book, actually just finished by the way. Can't recommend it enough. Yes, what is this? Onward by Howard Schultz. And talks about how you revamp the company because like many businesses, when he moved away from being the CEO and he was more of the chair, he was the chairman, more laid back. They had a couple of business blunders that tanked the company, especially their stock as well as their performance at source. And something he was very adamant about was getting new machines in the stores that one were specifically engineered to be lower in terms of the visual, so you could actually make eye contact with the customer, but also tall enough so people could see the engineering engineering marvel that is the coffee machine that was specifically designed for Starbucks for a very specific purpose. And many attribute that as to one of the reasons they were able to turn around that brand. Got Granted, there are many variables that went into, into turning around Starbucks, but that was part of their initiative. So Subway might have some success starting to turn their brand around with this slicer. Kind of sucks if you're a franchisee owner because it's one of those situations where if corporate says you got to buy something, you're going to buy it, or they buy it for you. But more often than not, if you look at industry practices, it usually is at the expense of the owner of the franchise. So that's why, if you, that's why you don't see a lot of changes when it comes to franchises in terms of the actual changes to the stores, the decor, the little knickknacks, because every one of those things costs the owner money and they're looking for, they're making, looking to make a return on investment of their capital that they invested into the brand and the business. And also keep in mind in terms of optics of company, Subway's still privately held and they're still for sale. They've been, for about a year, they've been saying they want to sell out to someone or something. And it, it doesn't look great my three cents when you say the comp your company is for sale for a year and no one's really i think they have one nibble at the brand like someone might have thought about buying it but it never really went anywhere and they're, they're still hinting in these same articles that they have some conversations going but if again if your goal is to get sold out i don't think you're gonna have the best outcomes your goal should be to make the best damn restaurant possible and with that in mind the company will eventually become more profitable if you make the right d decisions and then once you're actually a profitable attractive brand then someone will swoop in. They'll actually make a maybe a more appropriate offer to what you think the valuation of the company is. Right now, they'll probably just 
if I were to gamble manage a private equity firm I invest in, someone's going to have to buy this broken vehicle that is Subway currently. It's a project car or project business. How do they turn around? That's why they're going to, if anyone buys it, it's going to be a massive, pretty darn good discount because there's a lot of work to do. And we'll see if anyone is able to actually put in a bid and successfully purchase the company this year. Now, going on to the culture podcast, you have Ben and Jerry's demanding that the USA give back Mount Rushmore. Which, yes, it is as ridiculous as it sounds. It is an ice cream company complaining about land. Now, specifically, this tweet was on July 4th, and Ben and Jerry decided it was a good time to say this little message that said, quote, The United States was founded on indigenous land. This 4th of July, commit to returning it, unquote. Which, I didn't laugh, but that, that, that took a lot of control. Kudos to me. And they had a little sign, or a little like a, a sign within a sign, and it, there was a little sign on the post saying, this land was stolen. Which, that's every land since the dawn of time since Cain killed Abel. Or Abel, I mean, since the dawn of time, people have been fighting over land. There's no, there, that's, right, that's many people's biggest issue is the tribes all competed with each other and they took each other's land as well. There's, since the dawn of time, cultures have supplanted land from each other. Cultures have conquered each other. And of course, thankfully this got ratioed, but there were 10,000 idiots who actually believed in this comment and thought it was a good thing. So, of the 21.7 million people who viewed that post from Ben and Jerry's, 10,000 people agreed with it. And to those 10,000 people, I would say, are you going to give up your rental apartment or your house or your car to the indigenous people that it was stolen from or is on their land? Because that's every square inch of land. And even if... It, it, it boggles the mind the lack of intelligence with some statements. Although it shouldn't all be all too surprising. But again, it would be hilarious to see those 10,000 people. Where did they live? And just ask them, like, hey, um, hey, let's see, uh, Karen, I noticed you have a, an acre of land in, in this area and you have that house. Are you going to give it back? Because, you know, you yeah, that's not yours, right? That was indigenous land at one point. And I, I guarantee you the amount, the amount of toothpaste, charlatans, and hypocrites... They would, of course, acquiesce and say, oh, no, not, not my land. And, of course, Ben Jerry's has a factory. Of, it was hilarious, the comments. Someone in the comments noted, hey, um, we did some research, and your factory is specifically located on XYZ tribes throughout the years, centuries ago, and those tribes had it for a while. Are, are you going to give back? Of course not, because it's all virtue signaling. It's not authentic in any way. Now, the tweets did get moderately interesting. So, of the 10,000 people who liked it, there was 21.7 million people who viewed it in, 20, in the first 24 hours. That gives you a like ratio of 0.04%, which I'm not a mathematician, but I'd say that's pretty low. Now, the best or the most, the response which got the most likes in terms of the response, which caused it to ratio entertainingly, was country singer John Rich. And he responded to that post from Ben and Jerry's, and John Rich said, make Ben and Jerry's Bud Light again. His response got 15.9 thousand likes. Out of 200, and that's out of 228,000 people who viewed his tweet in the first 24 hours of the post. That means his like ratio, in terms of the number of people who liked his statement versus the number of people who viewed his statement, was 6.84%. Now, I did not get a calculus degree when I, well, I took calculus, I took business statistics when I went to college, but I didn't graduate with a math degree. But 6.84, that just seems, let's see, 
divided by 0 0.0, what is that number again? 0 0.04, oh, math is hard. Well, rather this calculator, divided by 0 0.04. That means 170, 170 times more people that's how much how much that's how much more people liked his tweet versus the original tweet 170 times that his ratio was that much better yeah that's that's pretty good now other interesting tweets to respond to the ben and jerry's one noted quote sounds like it's time for ben and jerry to donate 100 percent of its profits to indigenous people unquote that particular tweet got 6.5 thousand likes now personally i've been boycotting ben and jerry's a little over 30 years partially because I'm a man and I don't, I don't, candy isn't a big part of my diet. I really don't eat ice cream. But I always thought it was bougie or fancy to begin with, so I never bought that swill. Not to brag, so I, I'm a, some might say I'm a trendsetter. Some. But it's also one of those hilarious things where people started digging to dig into more and more of what Ben & Jerry's is. Well, they are still owned and partial by the very leftist owners of the company who... They have a long track record of promulgating their political ideals, which if you make a product that is, in my opinion, designed for the mass markets, most anyone could eat ice cream. Why would you make comments that alienate, on average, let's say about half the population, or in this case, maybe more? It's not a prudent business decision, but again, they got their money years ago, and maybe they don't care about the fiscal ramifications of their statements, or they just think Americans are too lazy to boycott ice cream because it's full of sugar. Or, as Archer might say, eh, a little column A, a little column B. Now, some folks did a little bit of investigating of, you know, the, the global company who now owns Ben & Jerry's is Unilever. Now, Unilever is a multinational corporation, which I find hilarious, partially because they're the same company that believe in female empowerment, where they have very obese women in a Dove commercial, which is a shampoo company. And I think it's hilarious because the same company owns Axe Body Spray, which back in the day used to have their advertising come from a man picking up a can of Axe Body Spray you spray it and all the attractive hot women would flock over to him as if he was a magnet, which is false advertisement. It does not happen in real life. I tried it at the drugstore. The girl just looked at me and gave me a funny eye and I, I was dismayed. I, I was disappointed and I lost all faith in that X product to this day. I've been boycotting it. So a little bit of a two-faced company where they have two very different things where I just don't think they authentically believe in any of those, given, those, given that data that we have about the company. But people also dig a little more digging. They found that Ben and Jerry's suppliers use child labor. So again, more of exposing more of their charlatan two-faced practices. Now, there is a silver lining to the situation. There usually is in life. If you squint hard enough, you'll find a silver lining. Now, the silver lining is thanks to this, perhaps this belongs in business blunder, we'll see the fiscal results of their political statements as an ice cream company. But thanks to their statements uh, saying Mount Rushmore should be turned back, you have another upside. You have Blue Bell ice cream trending on the Twitter. Now, some might say Blue Bell ice cream is American. I would say it's more than American. It's Texan. Now, they're established in 1907, which for the math handy, for the folks who are having trouble with math, that's 116 years ago, headquartered still in Brenham, Texas. And since 1919, they've been in the hands of the uh, Krauss family. And as of 2015, Bluebell was the number two selling ice cream manufacturer in the United States. Thanks to the brilliance, and I say that with, of course, sarcasm. I'm here all week. That's a little mini lesson of sarcasm. 
in the brilliance of Ben and Jerry's statements, now Blue Bell ice cream is trending and ha many of the responses are promulgating the Blue Bell ice cream, including myself at N-I-C-T-O-P-P-I-N-G on Twitter, where Blue Bell ice cream actually has an American patriotic brand of ice cream where it has U.S. flags and it's flavored, I think, red, white, and blue stuff. And that's being posted again and again and again. So thanks to Ben and Jerry, not only do they hurt themselves with this advertising statement, they assisted their competitor in giving them not only free advertising, but now they're, they're trending. And of course, we'll see, it'll be fascinating to see the fiscal results, if we're actually able to see the data of the amount of sales that increase and decrease. This may very well, it already belongs perhaps in the social blunder of the day, but it'll be interesting to see if it becomes a large business blunder as time goes on. Now, speaking of Twitter, business blunders, and business ineptitudes, other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light going on Twitter for the 4th of July, getting ratioed in seconds. Even with them blocking comments upon comments upon comments. Now, for the 4th of July ratio, they have a guy sitting in a chair holding a can next to a spray fan. And that got... And, a little bit of clarification around the business of alcohol advertising. I was always wondering, why, are no, why is no one drinking this Bud Light swill in the advertisements of the drinks? So they, everyone is holding a can, or at most they're opening a can, but they're not drinking it. And at first I thought it was a, a health hazard, uh, you know, maybe it was a taste thing, or of course if you taste it, you, your visceral response, if, that, if you have taste buds left, it usually is re repugnant and bad. But Actually, it's an unspoken industry practice. There's not a law that says advertising and alcohol companies specifically can't advertise their product by drinking it, but it's one of those unspoken social norms of the alcohol industry to not actually consume the products in the advertising. And they specifically are doing this self-regulation because they're scared to death that they'll be banned from advertising like cigarettes and tobacco companies were. Back in the day, depending on your age and you're watching this, in the United States, you saw tobacco advertising everywhere, especially on TV. Now on TV, they, it was so, so highly adopted. You even had the Flintstones uh, child show where Fred and Barney, to relax from a stressful day, they actually had, I believe it was Chesterfield, and they would actually have a, a couple of cigarettes. So you didn't just have the theme of smoking in TV and cartoons, but you actually had specific brand placements. Now, those examples were specifically highlighted and the tobacco industries were being scrutinized by the United States government and they were further barred from advertising. So you, that's why you don't see any advertisements of tobacco on television these days. Alcohol companies are especially just as concerned. They don't want that to happen because when it comes to alcohol, a big part of sales is just advertising and reminding customers that your mediocre products still exist because they mostly taste about the same. Many people would argue that's the same thing as Pepsi and Coke. Some might say one is sweeter than the other. Personally, Pepsi, eh. Yeah, Pepsi, I, I always thought it was a little bit sweeter if you can get the Mexican Pepsi, which is in the glass bottle with cane sugar, not corn syrup. But I digress. That's the reason you're not seeing people consume the beer in these commercials. And I know it's that in the comment section, so I did a little research. So that's a little background knowledge for the situation. Now, the July 4th tweet with Bud Light, he had the guy sitting in the chair, and he was cracking it open, and he, he was about to drink it, and it looked like he had a little spray fan, like a little fan with a little uh, water hose attached. And it just said something like relaxing. And it looks like that got 519 likes, which is more than usual. However, that's out of 680,000 views. Now, I did a little bit of math for y'all. And that math comes out to 0.07 people 
liked it in terms of who liked versus who viewed it. However, the responses were much, much, much more entertaining and probably be a show in and of itself. Now, a parody took that same video of a man sitting in a chair, and I say man, I apologize, I don't know the gender of the person, they did not tell me in the advertisement, and they actually didn't specify in the advertisement, which I thought was irresponsible on behalf of Anheuser-Busch and Beth. And the parody is someone who took Dill Mulvaney's face and copy-pasted it on that man, and that parody got 1,265 likes out of 32,000 views. So you do a little bit of math, that means 3.95% of people who viewed that parody liked it, which is a lot bigger than 0.07%. And of course, if you look at, I would say 90% of all the comments were poor. And I scrolled for about a minute, I'd probably say about, I probably about saw about 75. And the only one or two comments that were neutral were one where someone who actually, someone was, I don't know if they're brave or stupid, but they, they told Bud Light they applied to a job there, which they certainly have openings in the marketing department. That is true. And they do need talent. So there's someone who like applied for a job and they want to follow up, which is an interesting way. I know there are that is a way to get a job. I mean, social media has changed a lot. And another person was just saying, oh yeah, I'm liking my Bud Light, which I didn't believe that tweet, but it was there. And when you look at the button, which is the most entertaining one where they hide all the comments, at least 30 of them 30 were the picture we have Alyssa Heiderschild, the brilliant marketing, the marketing brilliant scal of the year. She was the one who on LinkedIn prominently said first female advertiser for a beer company. She is she will never be forgotten. I guarantee it. And she was the one who chose Dill Mulvaney as a brand ambassador and caused them to lose $28 billion in stock evaluation and hundreds of million dollars in sales, thereby permanently destroying the brand. Many will say, I would say now, the biggest meme is her, where you have that parody of the guy who's sitting on the grave with the little peace sign. They paste her face onto that guy standing on the grave, and the gravestone says Anheuser Bush established way back in the day till this year. I partially suspect they're doing this because they're scared she might sue them for defamation of character. Well, not granted, that being said, she did it, so I don't know. I don't know how, how that lawsuit would go. I'd be like, well, you, 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 your, your choice directly hurt our brand, so. But that's also the same reason that they specifically will not say they fired her. They said she's on a leave of absence. They specifically noted they can't say fired because she might be she might sue them, which is pathetic. In the United States that someone could destroy twenty eight billion dollars in stock, and you're worried. And and if any judge were to say, I, I can't fathom getting sued because someone lost twenty eight billion dollars in stock evaluation, you fire them and you say you're fired. The, if that person tried to sue Bud Light, if Alyssa tried to bring a lawsuit, I, the judge should laugh their head off. Be like, you destroy the brand. How? Yeah. Merely perplexes the mind, but that is also the U.S. legal system. When it comes to lawsuits, you can sue anyone for anything. The question is, will you win? Now, other interesting Bud Light news, you have their sales going down again. A cultural phenomenon and a brilliant example of shooting yourself in the foot multiple times, but still trying to crawl forward. Now, it looks like the sales are down at 27.9% for the week ending June 24th. This according to Nielsen IQ. And the week prior to that, sales were down at 28.5%. I guarantee you July 4th is, was not a good weekend for them. Now. We get this data a little bit delayed because you have all of the supply chain when it comes to actually selling the product. You have 
And there's a bush, you have the distributor, you have the actual store, then you have the end user, or you have a restaurant, what have you. So the sales information is a little bit delayed. So that's why we're talking about, I know this is, you know, after a couple days after July 4th, but the reason we're talking about the week of ending in June 24th is because of that delay. Now, also, if you look into the data, it's actually worse. Now, the units sold dropped compared to last year was 31.3%, which that's gotta be hurting them pretty damn bad. And that's for Bud Light alone, that specific brand. Now, when it comes to Budweiser, it looks like for the same period late a week last year, sales are down 12% and Michelob Ultra is down 4.4%. With the biggest upside being Modelo at plus 6.4%. And again, in the United States, Modelo is a separate brand owned by Constellation Brands. So if you're trying to boycott Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, and Bev, in the United States, you can more, you if you purchase Modelo, you're more than proving your point. It's a separate entity. If you're watching this from across the pond or anywhere overseas or any other country for that matter, in that case, Modelo is owned by Anheuser-Busch and Bev. The United States and the Social Securities Exchange Committee, or the SEC, the only reason they allowed Anheuser-Busch and Bev to combine, the two companies being Anheuser-Busch and InBev, InBev being the Belgian-based company, they allowed the merger to happen or the sale to happen because they told them for the United States they'd have to divest Modelo as a brand in the United States. So, long story short, the boycott is working. So if you believe in the boycott, you're doing pretty damn good. Now, it looks like Anheuser stock is still down $27 billion since April 1st. It is such a bizarre situation. Many think it was, a, at, the at the first day, everyone thought it was a joke because it was April 1st. Now, in terms of business blunder of the year, and in terms of a strategy, it's a, it was a joke of a strategy, that's for sure. But for once, the United States, it looks like you have a cultural backlash and you actually have a boycott that's working for people who are in the middle, and then I would say on the right ideologically, as this is a, this has become a political issue for most many people involved. Will they be able to recover? If I were managing eight ball, I'd say, outlook not so good. Now, other interesting cultural news: you have Taylor Swift on her track to hit the one billion dollar mark for a tour. Now, this would also make a new record for the highest-grossing tour of all time. Now, this $1 billion will consist of ticket sales, revenue, merchandise, and sponsorships of the tour of 106 dates. So she's going to be busy. That's almost as many, that's almost as many people, as, that's almost as many dates as she's had boyfriends. Almost. Now, this is all an example at all right now, current estimates by a company, a third-party publication called Polestar. And it looks like her last tour consisted of 52 shows, and that hit $591 million. So in terms of a cultural phenomenon, people were, even when I was in college back in the day, people worshiped Taylor Swift. She even has her own, I think, acronym or her nickname is like T-Swift, if you're too late. If you're too lazy to say Taylor. But they also, all of her songs, I mean, just imagine if she met a nice guy in high school or college, like she'd have no music career. Or actually now that I think about it, every single song is about how the guy is wrong. What could possibly be the common denominator of every relationship she's ever been with or in? The mind truly is perplexed. I mean, who knows? However, maybe in a couple decades she'll actually notice her problem. And maybe, maybe her last song will be something about mildew in the mirror or wiping away the mold in the mirror and be like, Oh dear God, oh no, it, it was me. But we'll see. For now, she just still remains a pinnacle of music and a cult.
a cultural phenomenon and given the size of her fan base, they were probably more than willing to pay for more merchandise and she may very well make break a record. We'll see. Other interesting cultural news, you have a subway store making a Titanic submarine joke about Ocean Gate and pretty much getting a 50-50% uh, yay or nay from the audience. Now, this is a subway store specifically in Georgia and they had changed their sign outside to say, quote, our subs don't implode, unquote. Now, that was an attempt at a joke about the recent tragedy with the Ocean Gate sub or submer submersible in which you had five gentlemen go down to visit the Titanic or attempt to and the apparatus or the sub imploded and they all died. And a lot of people, especially leftists, were celebrating the fact because they were successful people in life and they had money. And they were, they were cheering the fact that they all died there, including a father and a son, which shows you how morally inept and morally vacuous some of those people are where they're cheering that on. Now, this store attempted to make a joke and there is certain, I have a certain appreciation for humor, especially dark humor, it's one of those very interesting, th interesting things with timing. I always say it's half of everything in life. But in this case, we're still, I think, about two weeks out from that tragedy. I mean, I guess they want, they're trying to maybe hit that sweet spot between when it's distasteful of a comment, but when it's still socially relevant. And in terms of cultural backlash, it looks like half the comments online were praising the fact that not only those men died trying to explore the areas that only a handful of people have ever seen in history. But they're also applauding the fact that, you know, eat the rich kind of ridiculous statements. And about the other half online, thankfully, were pushing back, same as in Portage, this isn't going to help their sales, and people died, what's wrong with you sick bastards? But in terms of the business, you have Subway Corporate Office, they, they weren't too happy. So they gave that franchise, again, when it comes to Subway, they're a franchise, so an overwhelming majority of the actual locations are franchises. So they're owned by individual people or a separate company, not Subway itself. You're basically renting the brand, the machines, the instructions for how to run the business and support. Now, the Subway Corporation actually reached out with a statement saying, quote, we have been in contact with the franchise about this matter and made it clear that this is the kind of comment that has no place in our business. The sign has since been removed, unquote. Now there's also Questionable how much of a moral high ground Subway has when they had Jared Fogel as a brand ambassador. But I digress. Now, now going on to the political part of the podcast, you have China. They're going to cut the shipment of the materials needed for chips to the United States. Which many speculating are in response that from the Biden administration that they might, and again, this was an effect, they're saying they're considering blocking the sale of chips designed for AI to China specifically. So now China's saying, no more precious metals for you. And if I was, if I had, if I was a better voice actor, I'd try to do that mixed with the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Whoops, this video just got blacklisted. Oh well. That with um, maybe a Chinese accent? Time shall tell. Let me know if the comments if you want more jokes and humor. Up for dry. Like my martinis. Now, Many are speculating that's the reason China is starting to block these materials. And China specifically, these restrictions are starting in August. And they're going to specifically focus on materials including gallium, germanium, which not from Germany, I checked. So again, gallium, germanium, that's a joke. Yeah, yeah you get it? All right. And about a dozen other materials are used to make semiconductors, solar panels, EV batteries, and oh yeah, defense materials. 
Now, China makes up 60% of the world's germanium uh, mining and creation and 80% of the gallium. This is according to a group by the name of Critical Raw Materials Alliance. Which, they should switch that around and make an acronym because acronyms are cool and make you sound smart. You know, uh, I, 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 it eluded me. I had one on the tip of my tongue. YOLO? I think that's what the youth, youth say. Now, U.S. moron and bird impersonator, I mean Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, is actually heading out to China to have some discussions with them and seeing what she might be able to mend. Now, she's the brilliant person who was behind the countless printing of money during COVID under both presidencies, uh, Trump and Biden. And she was the one when they asked her, like, did you know inflation would happen? She had said that, and she said, actually, quote, I think I was wrong then about the path that inflation would take, unquote. I think a two-year-old, if you just give a two-year-old plastic play money and explain to them the economics of, okay, here you have $5. I'm just going to keep throwing these dollars out here. And now the prices of everything go up. Your $5 is now worth less and less and less. Even a child would have a better understanding of the concept of inflation than Janet Yellen. And this is, in terms of business blunders, she's perhaps the political blunder. Oh, that's a pretty high bar because politicians on all sides are not the most intelligent or moral. So that might be a separate topic we have to dive into. Maybe a political blunder of the day. I would say most most blunt, most political statements and actions are blunders. So it'd be highly there'd be a lot. There's a lot of material to work with, but. Yeah, her trip to China, I suspect, will have little to no effect. If we had a leader, if we had actually a country, if you had a leader or someone actually could take initiative, that might help, but the U.S. seems to have a vacuum when it comes to many of those things. But not good, especially the U.S. is pushing the adoption and forcing the adoption of EV, EV vehicles by basically putting a gun to the head of every executive that works in the automotive community. Because again, they're saying if your fleet can't make this average, you can't make cars. So the only way you can make these outrageous, unrealistic tailpipe emission standards is by getting rid of the tailpipe, making less of them, making more EVs. It's a de facto backwards-assed ban on the vehicle technology, also known as the internal combustion engine, also known as the most durable product most people ever buy in terms of if you buy a Toyota or a Honda. And I would always argue the best ROI. I know my family still drives a 21-year-old Honda Accord. This thing's bulletproof because it's an internal combustion engine with four cylinders and it was engineered damn brilliantly by Honda. And it's great. Right now, and again, we talked about battery technology in the earliest episode, it's just not gonna be a great thing when it comes to longevity or reliability of the vehicles. But we'll see, technological innovation is a fascinating thing. Might have a new battery that's even better than the one Toyota said they're good about, but again, they said it'll have long range, but what about the reliability and longevity? That's what, I look for in terms of main processes, the ROI. We'll see. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Honda issuing recalls due to brakes. So thankfully, not the core of the car, so your engine will still last a million miles plus, depending on what model and what, how you treat it. Now, specifically, this is recalling 124,000 vehicles covering five models produced between 2020 and 2023. Specifically, it is around the 2020 to 2021 Honda Civic, 2020-2023 Ridgeline, which is their truck. 2021-2003 Passport, which does not help you get out of the country. Unless you drive it, that would be a good commercial. Do it, Honda. That would be highly entertaining. Also, the 2021-2022 Pilot and the 2020 Acura MDX. A specific total coming at 124,077 vehicles. Now, 
The issue lies in a fastener that connects the brake booster to the brake master cylinder. This could cause the brake master cylinder to separate from the booster assembly, thereby possibly causing the loss of brake function and risk of crash, unquote. So not good news for Honda. Thankfully, most Hondas will always start and drive. Whether you stop is up to you. That, that was a joke. It was attempted a joke. But time shall tell to see if this really hurts their brand. I really want to look for recalls. This is a major one. Obviously, it has to do with safety. and It looks like they've gotten ahead of the situation, so thank God no one's been hurt for this. But when it comes to reliability, I really look for the heart of the. You look at the engine, the transmission, most important things. Brakes. I mean, if you're driving right, if you're if you're racing, what what do you need brakes for? Go all out for the top speed. Everyone does that in their Honda. Was that the Ridgeline, the truck? Everyone goes to the top speed record on those things. But time shall tell. Thankfully, no one was hurt, and hopefully, we'll get everyone will get their vehicles taken care of safely and in a proper time. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Don't forget, we're trying to get up to three thousand subscribers by the end of July. Greatly appreciate you taking the time to like, subscribe, and comment. All the feedback is greatly appreciated as we help make the channel better and better together. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.